0: Because I'd heard loads of reports from around our area of big cats around, but never ever seen one of these beasts myself. So it was like, I've seen one of the big cats at last. Seeing is believing, and I have no proof of what I saw that day, other than what I can describe. It was huge. It was like the weightlifter of cats. Welcome to Big Cat Conversations. We speak directly to people who've encountered one of Britain's big cats. We also discuss the bigger picture. I'm Rick Minter, and thanks for joining me. Welcome to episode 56 of Big Cat Conversations. Our next guest is Mark Goodchild from Suffolk in the east of England. We heard from Suffolk previously in episode 45, our Beasts from the East edition. Matt Salisbury helped us with that one, and we're very grateful to Matt again for linking us up with Mark for this next discussion. So, Mark, welcome, and thanks for coming on the show. Hello. Thank you for inviting me. Pleasure, Mark. And, uh, Mark, this incident happened several years back, I gather, but I'm aware it's had a lasting influence on you.
1: It has, yeah.
0: Could you start us off by saying when it happened and roughly where it was?
1: Right, it was the summer of 2010. I can't remember which month it was, unfortunately. It was 10 o'clock at night, just outside of the village
0: of Ixworth. OK. Can you tell us all about what happened? I'm
1: a taxi driver. i just taken someone back to Walsham, Walsham-the-Willows. I was heading back to Bury, St Edmunds, to do some more journeys. And I spotted something in the distance, spotted eyes in the headlights. So I started to slow down, thinking it was a deer in the road. As I got closer, I realised that the, the eyes were green, which sort of confused me a little bit. It was just stood in the road, didn't move. As I got closer, I realised that it was some kind of large cat. It was probably the size of a German shepherd uh, with a long tail. And it, it just slowly walks across the road as i got closer to it just it got to the bank on the right hand side of the road i was probably 10 15 feet from it and it just turned looked at me and carried on into the bushes as i passed it at about 20 miles an hour full
0: headlights dipped headlights yeah full headlights yep you were returning without any passengers
1: yep yeah, i was on my own
0: And had you any background, any context for this whatsoever? Had you heard about big cat sightings?
1: No, I'd not heard of anything. No, it was a complete shock to me. I know exactly what I saw, but I didn't know that they were in this country. I sort of went online and identified it to be a panther or black leopard.
0: And how did it react as you got closer, its awareness of you in a vehicle approaching with lights on?
1: didn't react at all was not bothered at all it just carried on doing what it was doing just crossing the road as i sort of got very close to it it just turned and looked at me and then just turned back and carried on walking into the bushes
0: so you saw the eye reflectivity the eye shine yeah from probably around two three hundred meters away and then up close yes yeah Standout features, apart from the size, what would you say You know, that surprised you or was striking about it?
1: It was um jet black and had a very long tail that curved up at the end.
0: Yeah, do you see shoulder blades or ears or...? Yeah, you can see the
1: shoulders. Quite clearly a muscular cat. Definitely not anything domestic.
0: What kind of poise and attitude did it have in its locomotion and movement?
1: It was just like you see on wildlife programmes, casually walking along in its natural environment.
0: In daylight at that spot, when you've looked at it again, I presume you did, did you see why it could have been there? Was there an obvious crossing point in a farm gate or a hedgerow gap?
1: No, it was a clump of bushes both sides of the road, and it sort of crossed from one load of bushes to the other. The road is a B road, I believe, You can get two cars past each other easily.
0: These days, knowing that we like to put up trail cameras to see if we can film these cats, is it the sort of place where you think that could be a regular crossing point? You know, it could return on that point.
1: Yeah, it could possibly be.
0: A place that you could put a camera if you got to know the landowner. Yeah. What happened next? What did you do as a result of that in terms of talking to people or following up?
1: I told the company that I work for, I told the uh, owner of the company, I've spoken to endless customers, and I'm surprised there's been several other customers have seen similar things. One of my regular customers saw one in Barrow last summer, which is probably 18, 19 miles away. Completely opposite directions from where I saw it. We're West Suffolk.
0: What are the range of reactions you get when you talk to people about it?
1: Some people completely disbelieve me. Some people... I've said, oh, I've seen
0: one too. Uh, had anyone seen one really close to your location?
1: Not that I know of. However, there's been recent sightings in the village near my mum, and that's about eight miles away. Okay. There's been a couple of people who caught Moncat on video. There's been a muntjac deer found high up in a tree and uh, things like that.
0: The one on video is that has that been released publicly, or is it just kept locally to people?
1: It was put on um, Nextdoor Digest.
0: Oh, I know the one. Yes. Okay. Well, we'll we'll put a link to that on the website on episode fifty-six. Yeah, that was very interesting. That one. I think people will think that's very plausible. It's one that needs scale reference, really, doesn't it? Unfortunately.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: It's one of those ones that's a bit 50 50, but you can see the prospect of it and you can see why the guy filmed it. And he'd seen it before, I think, hadn't he? And I think he filmed it from his property, from his back garden or something.
1: No, no, it's a different one. This one was um, someone out walking their dog and um, they saw it. It was in the tree line across the other side of the field behind the tree line. But in certain points, you can see the long tail and things.
0: Right. Well, we'll put both of those. On. Because the one I'm talking about was from Suffolk a while back, I think, actually.
1: Yeah, this one was a couple of months ago.
0: If we can, we'll put links to them. What probably has to happen, I think people have to sign up for Nextdoor, don't they? And then they can look at it. But that would be good. That one was a big black one, was it?
1: Yes, it was, yeah. It's not far from this.
0: Okay. What about family and friends, other than... Oh, yeah, yeah, I've
1: told everyone that I know.
0: What kind of reactions did you get at the time?
1: Um, some people completely disbelieved me. Some people completely believed me. They didn't really have an argument for disbelieving it. They're just saying, no, I don't believe you, basically.
0: They thought you miscited something else, another animal, did they? Yeah,
1: well, there's no way I miscited something else. It was on the road as I drove past it. So,
0: In the lights and close up, it did appear jet black. Yes,
1: it was... 10 o'clock at night in the middle of summer so it was not dark at all it was semi-dark but it was certainly clear enough to see
0: so you saw it side on uh, and then at a different angle as you got closer
1: side on as i was coming towards it and then as i was about to pass it it turned its head to face me and then i saw it from behind as i went past it as it disappeared into the hedgerow
0: did you slow down to try and stay with it and watch it as long as you could
1: well, I, I was so shocked. I'd already slowed down because I thought it was a deer in the road, so I'd slowed down to about 20 miles an hour on the approach. But then when I saw what it was, I was so shocked that I couldn't do anything. My body would, just wouldn't
0: react. These days, as a taxi driver, presumably you have a dash cam, do you? Um, no, I don't. Had you had one at that time, presumably you would have got...
1: Yes, some uh, fantastic footage.
0: Yeah, because it wouldn't have been in the dark either. I know the lights would have shown it up anyway. Yeah. Obviously, when it went off the road, your dash cam might not have picked it up at the angle, but for how long do you think that you would have got footage for? How long was the sighting for?
1: Probably 20, 30 seconds.
0: People would have seen it at distance, medium distance and close up? Yeah. When you looked it up online and everything, how convinced were you that it was a black leopard? And did you just notice that other people's sightings tend to be concluded as most likely a black leopard?
1: I didn't see any other people's sightings at the time. I was just looking for, like, put on um, images of big cats in search so I could identify what it was.
0: And the black leopard was the closest, was it?
1: Yeah, well, they initially come up with panther. Yeah. Obviously, a panther is not actually a a cat, is it? It's a name they use for various cats. It was definitely black and definitely a big cat.
0: (laughs) Sometimes people say more like a stretched Labrador, you're going for German Shepherd, so a bit bigger than Yeah, the
1: body length was more German Shepherd.
0: Yeah, and the height, again, similar or?
1: Yeah, similar, maybe a little bit smaller than German Shepherd. But the length was, yeah, it was very long.
0: How would you describe it in terms of its health and condition and and sort of streetwiseness?
1: Looked in very good health. Interestingly, previously I've been on that road and run over animals and when you come back there's just a blood stain on the road and no animal.
0: What sort of animals? Rabbits and deer and things.
1: Rabbits and um, pheasants and things. I remember one particular incident I ran over a rabbit in my Volkswagen Passat which is quite a heavy car. Yeah. With both wheels so it was definitely not move kind move because it got the front bumper and then both wheels. So that was definitely dead, and that was gone when I came back.
0: Yeah. Of course, it could have been a fox. Yeah. You're not suggesting everything's but but it's obviously, a, there's good pickings on rural roads for yes. any predator that wants to be a scavenger as well, basically. In your occupation, do you see many dead deer on the roadside as well?
1: Oh, yes, a lot, yeah. And rabbits and foxes and badgers, pheasants, pigeons,
0: What about other taxi drivers, Uh, your colleagues? You must talk to them about it, don't you? Oh yes. Any of them seen them?
1: No, none of them have seen any.
0: Okay, that surprises me, to be honest. Yes. I remember uh, a journalist from a London newspaper came down to see me a few years ago for the day. We due to meet somewhere in the Cotswolds, and as he got out of the taxi, he said, "And I've just had a couple of briefings from my taxi driver who's seen two in the last uh, fifteen years." So.
1: Yeah, I've actually seen two myself.
0: Oh, right, yeah.
1: The other one was on the A11 on Attleborough Bypass before they dual carriage it. It was across the field. I just saw something black running across the field along the far side of the field. I thought, that's a weird-looking dog. I didn't get a very good sighting of that because that was the other side of a field. and That was running fast. You could see by the way it was running, it wasn't a dog.
0: Was that before or after your...
1: That was a few years before my sighting, but I'd completely forgotten about that sighting because I didn't really sort of see it as such as a sighting because it was so far away.
0: It just raised the issue in your mind temporarily.
1: Yes. But yeah, the sighting that we're now talking about, that is definitely what I saw. I was so close to it that it couldn't be anything else.
0: Being up that close and seeing it for that long, how did that affect you emotionally at the time and afterwards?
1: I just sort of had chills down my spine. In fact, I'm getting chills now talking about it.
0: Emotionally, was it mixed emotions or excitement or scared or a bit of both? or?
1: A bit of both, yeah. Quite a bit of shock as well, I think.
0: Yeah, sure, because it was so, such a bolt from the blue for you.
1: Yeah, the annoying thing is I had a camera phone I was so shocked, I didn't think to pick it up.
0: Yeah. Hopefully, people are going to have dash cams for that kind of thing.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: In the terms of the scope of a dash cam, how much of the sighting would it have recorded? All of it, or when it went to the side, would a dash cam have missed that?
1: As I probably got sort of 12 feet from it, it would have lost it because of the angle.
0: But you would have been close enough then? Oh, definitely it didn't have some kind of attitude towards the car
1: no no reaction whatsoever the only reaction it had was it turned to look at me just before it walked into the hedgerow that's sort of the car yeah
0: okay yeah yeah because it is interesting to see the reaction different reactions people have as drivers when they're up close to them i mean sometimes you know they get hissed at The cat has that much confidence and attitude that it almost looks at the car as if to say, what are you doing here? This is my beat. This is my time. It's my business here.
1: Yeah, it had no reaction to the car whatsoever. It was not scared or anything. It just carried on casually walking.
0: We had one incident. uh, This lady's not been on the podcast, but she saw one chasing a deer across the road and it stopped. Uh, The deer went across a dry stone wall. It, It sort of stopped momentarily in the car headlights because they'd slow down for the deer not knowing there was something else coming and yeah. that one stopped turned around looked at them she was with her husband it was about 1 a.m. and that look that threatening look at the car stopped her going for walks in the countryside she and her husband made contact with me afterwards because they just moved out of town into a village looking forward to rural countryside walks and things and that put her off but tried to reassure her and say look you know it was going for the deer I mean you just saw its attitude when it stopped momentarily
1: this with no attitude whatsoever
0: and how has that influenced you longer term and and about the subject
1: every time I'm out that way now I always slow down and I'm watching the hedgerows and things hoping to see it again
0: even that longer time later yeah that was
1: 11 years ago now yeah i'm always looking
0: i hear other drivers say that people who'd you know professional delivery drivers or taxi drivers or lorry drivers who've had a sighting
1: yeah i've spoken to a few farmers well i took a farmer home who lives out towards webstead which is the other side of berry to where i saw it and he said he'd seen cats several times early mornings when he's been out harvesting
0: okay again black ones
1: no brown ones
0: What was his attitude towards them, do you think?
1: He seemed quite casual about them, like he'd just seen a normal cat or something.
0: What do you pick up as people's attitudes? Do you think there's people positive, hostile, tolerant, intolerant, or is it mixed?
1: Very mixed. Some people are, oh wow, I wish I'd seen one, and other people are, no, I don't believe you, and some people uh, seem nervous, worried that they're out there, but... From what I've read, they're they're no threat to humans anyway.
0: What about dogs and cats and pets and things? As a taxi driver through the grapevine, do you hear of any issues that might be Big Cat related?
1: My customer that I pick up, their dog was actually chased by one.
0: Okay, wow.
1: And that's when they saw it. What happened? They were out in the field playing behind their house and the dog suddenly started running towards the back garden and then they spotted a cat chasing behind it. But the cat stopped once the dog got into the garden. But I think that was because the daughter was screaming, and it sort of scared it off.
0: Did that seem to be a similar cat, large black one?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Had they seen it before, or was that a complete surprise?
1: No, it wasn't until I'd said that I'd seen one that they said, well, actually, five weeks ago we saw one. I talk about it to customers quite a lot. To be honest, had I not seen one myself, I would doubt that anyone else had seen one.
0: Say there was some kind of policy to follow up sightings and try and catch up with these animals and cage them and take them into captivity to wildlife parks or even dispatch them or you know, intercept them in some way.
1: No, I don't think we should do that. They're no harm to anyone. Nobody's been reported to have been attacked by them. Just let them, let them be. I would quite like to see one again. They're keeping the numbers of other things like rabbits and deer and stuff down as well.
0: Well, you heard that one of the dogs. Say that dog had been dispatched or injured. What would your attitude be, though?
1: It's nature, isn't it, really? They've clearly been here a long time.
0: Yeah, so you think we can live with them and that the consequences are sort of minimal?
1: Yeah. There's probably the odd animal goes missing, but I would have thought mainly they'd feed on things like deer and rabbits that are easier to catch and less aggressive I would have thought that a dog would get put up a bit of a fight even a small dog
0: unless they absolutely dispatch it with total surprise and when they've got the upper hand
1: but I think the dog senses would sense one anyway
0: say you believed in it but you hadn't had that close-up sighting your emotion might be different because i think some people think well if we've got them they may well be a nuisance you know but people who've had that close-up experience tend to think about it more deeply and think well actually you know like you're saying there haven't been many known issues anyway it's an interest for you now
1: yeah i've started researching it and looking into it looking into people who are trying to track them to see if they can catch footage and things i certainly wouldn't want anyone to go out hunting for it or anything planning to shoot it or anything like that
0: say in 10 15 years time what would you like to happen on the subject
1: just raising people's awareness really
0: which is you know in a way what we're doing now hopefully with these podcasts yeah. except with we obviously we're talking to some extent to a like-minded people but it's still one helpful to spread the word isn't it and have a focus
1: yeah i don't think there's anything to worry about but just really to so people know that they're about and to try and uh
0: leave them alone really as a taxi driver that's awareness raising the number of customers you have in the in the right kind of situation because i think it's yes. situation for the discussion as well it's great that there's a few bits of um footage materializing now from um
1: yeah unfortunately it's all in small areas rather than on uh, the wider media where it'll be picked up more easily
0: actually i do think starting it locally if somebody's captured some footage or captured something about the subject i think it's good manners and good diplomacy to brief the local the locality first rather than just take it yes. you know to and then people can make their own minds up what they think about it and for often yeah. people don't want it to spread nationally because they don't want the attention and the potential hassle
1: a lot of people i think don't want it spread widely because they're worried that people will come and try and hunt them things trophy hunters or something
0: yeah and they'll be more dangerous than the cats themselves perhaps. Yeah. Well great to hear from you Mark. Thank you very much for
1: Oh no, it's great to be invited to speak to you.
0: Lovely. Well you know do spread the word and if if you you know get to hear of anything else that we ought to cover from Suffolk or nearby uh, on the podcast do get back in touch. I'm sure listeners yeah, appreciate that will. and um, look forward to hearing anything else and you're not going to get a dash cam then.
1: Um I think I might. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah well we ought to club together and make a contribution for you i think to catch
1: big cats on dash cam is more interesting to me than catching accidents really
0: but you see a fair few things as a busy taxi driver
1: oh yeah come back from my job last night and there was a car upside down in a field
0: oh dear i think the best kind of footage is going to be dash cams i heard recently that we might get a guest on this podcast of somebody who'd allegedly got one chasing a deer across the road. But his company had a look at it and decided that the company's logo and name was on the branding of the sort of template of the dash cam. Oh, no. Yeah, uh, felt it was too awkward.
1: They don't want it spread about.
0: Yeah, yeah. So there you go.
1: That's a shame.
0: That seemed to be very plausible information that got back to me i can understand that as well you know it is it is awkward yeah. i my rural shows i've had two people come in from major companies who've had cctv and said you know they were security officers and knew the cctv and saw large black panthers on the sec- on their premises and the company yeah. just said well you know we're not letting that out because it's awkward we don't know what to say about it just you know keep it quiet but again you can looking back on it you can understand that Actually, it is quite a natural reaction.
1: Yeah, I think some people are worried about spreading panic.
0: Yeah, yeah. And also, if they're the company or business or person to release the news, they're going to have some attention that they don't really want.
1: Yes. Journalists turning up at the door and.
0: Yeah, what can they do about it? You know, because it's not their responsibility and not their. Don't know what to do or follow up. They haven't got the resources and it was just maybe passing through their land anyway. Yes yeah there's some of the tricky dilemmas of the subject isn't it it's interesting how people aren't as revealing about stuff as i think perhaps the skeptics or many people would suspect but when you think it through i think it does make sense that people are quite sort of reticent to share something potentially quite sort of sensitive and inflammatory yeah but anyway let's hope you get some dashcam footage and you could judge what to do with it i do hope so Lovely to talk to you, Mark. Thanks ever so much for coming on the show and uh, thanks for your time and all the best. Thank you. For our next guest, we are switching to around 220 miles, pretty much due west, to mid-north Wales in the Dolgethlai area. We welcome Joe, and Joe is a local business owner and a town councillor. And we're going to hear about her two sightings in the past in the local area. And to get your bearings, Dolgethli is a market town south of Snowdon and closer to Kader Idris. Joe can correct me on any of that now if she wants. So, Joe, welcome. Thanks for coming on the show.
2: It's nice to speak to you, Rick. Yes, um, it's the Kader Idris.
0: There we are. How far away is it from you?
2: Well, I actually live in a farm in the foothills of the Cadera address. Okay. Beautiful place to live.
0: Very popular with walkers, I guess, at the moment.
2: It is, yes. There's a lot of walkers around. The weather's very hot for going up mountains, but otherwise, there's lots of other places to go.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're speaking during a heatwave at the moment. Before you saw the first one, had the first event, had you ever given the thought of big cat sightings uh, any attention?
2: I'm old enough to remember when the big cats were being let loose in the UK in the 60s, late 60s, when the law was changed about keeping them as pets. And so I've always sort of followed sightings that have been in the press, but mainly in the south of England. I hadn't really heard of anything around Wales, but then I was living in England, so it's a different country. Yeah. Ones I'd heard about tended to be on the open moorland down south, whereas here, where I live, we've got a huge forest called Co de Brennan, which stretches from here all the way up to north Wales. And I wonder if that has anything to do with our sightings, being nearer such a large place, or it would be much... Easier for the animal to hide out of view for a lot of the time.
0: I've had that location mentioned, and it is a very extensive area, isn't it? So, Joe, take us through the first event. And um, this was some years ago, wasn't it? The first one.
2: Yes, it's quite some time ago. It was around 2012 ish. At the time, I was running a local pub, and one of my bar staff I used to have to give a lift home to. So, this is about Half past 11 at night, and there's a local village a few miles away called Klamfakrath, which is in the wilds, and it's surrounded with some wooded areas and some open moorland, farming around the area as well, sheep farming. Mm -hmm. And I was giving this lad a lift home, and we've gone through the village, and we've gone through a small wood, and then it's opened out into moorland, And suddenly, in the headlights, we were going very slowly, this great cat appeared, coming around the corner of a wall. I've seen panthers in zoos, I've seen them on films, I've seen them in wildlife parks, and this definitely looked like a panther. It was big, say two, two foot six at the shoulder, but with very muscular legs, and quite short compared to the body. And a cat-shaped face, it wasn't a badger. It didn't have stripes. I've seen badgers. It wasn't a fox, because if you see a fox, even if you see a black fox, they have a more heart-shaped type face with a pointy bit more at the bottom, whereas a cat tends to have a round face. And it had round ears, not pointy ears. So it was quite distinctive. And the other interesting is... About where I saw it is where there's a lot of deer around as well as sheep.
0: Okay. And of course, parts of Wales don't have deer, do they? No. What about that one's tail? Did you see the tail on it?
2: I didn't see the tail on that one. Okay. Because it sort of appeared in the headlights looking at us sort of on the side, just coming around the corner of the wall. So although I saw it up to sort of 90% of it, I didn't see its tail.
0: Okay. Yeah. How close did you get to it?
2: 20 feet
0: oh wow okay
2: very close as we were going along it came round the corner of a wall into the headlights
0: what kind of behavior mode was it in do you reckon just traveling from a to b or did it look in a stalking mode or was it difficult to tell
2: yes i think he was sort of just wandering around a bit you know looking for something he wasn't hunting He wasn't crouched down and looking as if he was about to pounce or run after anything.
0: Did it take any notice of the car? Did it change what it was doing as a result of...
2: It stopped dead and then turned around and went.
0: Okay. It avoided the car deliberately then?
2: Yes. All I thought about at the time, as you do, is flipping heck, what have I just seen? And then you run through your mind and think, well... It wasn't that, it wasn't this. And having heard about wild cats being in the UK, you think, goodness me, I have seen one.
0: And how long was the sighting for?
2: Oh, seconds. But we both saw it.
0: How did the conversation go?
2: You look at each other and say, did you see what I just saw? And the young man with me said, that was not one of my pet cats. And those were the words he said, that's not one of my pet cats. So we sort of said, well, is it one of the farmer's dogs? Or anything? But it wasn't a dog either. You have a tick list and you think, well, was it that animal? Was it that animal? No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. And you end up saying, well, it's got to have been a wild cat. There's nothing else it could have been.
0: Compared to a Labrador dog, what sort of scale do you think it was?
2: I would have thought it was about the same size as a lab, maybe a tiny bit bigger, but not built like a lab because it had got strong legs on it, quite wide legs. And in comparison to the body, they weren't as long as a dog's legs are. So it was quite squat, really. And jet black, there, weren't, there wasn't any white markings on it at all.
0: Did you see any markings or texture or was it did it appear smooth jet black?
2: It was just smooth jet black. There were no white hairs anywhere at all on it.
0: Was it a relief that you had a passenger with you, that you could confirm it and bounce ideas about the alternative?
2: Well, that's right. Otherwise, you think you're hallucinating, don't
0: you? What happened after that? Did you talk about it? Did it come up as a conversation? Or did you tend to keep it low-key because you feared ridicule or thought it was an awkward topic?
2: No, no. I mean, I'm quite open about talking about things. So where he lived was a big house with, I think it was 50 acres around it next to farms. So he spoke to a couple of the local farmers who sort of said, well, we have had some strange sheep kills occasionally on the farms. The sheep have been bitten or something on the back of their heads. Okay. Okay. Right. Whereas if you've got a dog that attacks a sheep, either the sheep will die from fright, from being chased, or the dogs will get them round the throat, or else they go for the back legs to try and pull them down.
0: Yes, nip them in a very savage way sometimes at the back.
2: Yes. So it was a different, you know, the farmers were saying this is not a dog kill. Okay. But they didn't know what else it was. And then... In the pub, another one of my customers who walked in some local woods to Dog Ethli, and he was saying that he'd seen scratch marks on the tree, but they were higher than he was, so they were over six foot up the tree. So he said, that's not a cat that's done that.
0: Not a domestic cat?
2: No, and he said they were definitely scratch marks, you could tell by looking at them. So all these little stories start coming out, as to what people have seen
0: you didn't keep it low-key because you thought it was awkward in the right sort of company you would raise it as a topic
2: oh yes yes because i was fascinated to see if anyone else had heard or seen anything and then i discovered that the snowdonia national park has a warden who's responsible for sightings i couldn't get hold of him but prior to the program to ask if he'd heard anything recently because as i say this is nine, ten years ago. But at the time, I rank him up because he's had a few sightings reported to him, but he's never seen anything himself. OK. So I tease him these days if I ever see him because I always say, well, I've seen it twice and you've not seen it at all.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. And the area you're in, is it within the southern part of the National Park or just outside?
2: No, we're in the National Park, yes.
0: Okay and i suspect joe that his sightings recording activity is informal.
2: Yes, i think it is fairly unofficial, yes.
0: Good on them for, you know, for it happening actually. It's a difficult one for them for public yes. bodies, it, you know, they're damned if they do and damned if they don't.
2: That's right, but where these sightings are all seen are sort of the wooden type areas. Where I live, which is sort of on the mountainside, which is sort of flat and gorse and heather and bracken, yeah, nothing here, right? It's always over on the edge of the Code Brennan-type areas.
0: And you think you'd get to hear of anything, do you, through your network?
2: I would have thought so, yes. I know quite a few people in town these days.
0: Yeah. But not everybody raises it because some people do find it awkward and for all sorts of reasons want to keep it off the agenda anyway i mean if you're a local and you've got a grapevine you've got a chance haven't you
2: yes yes also they don't want loads of people coming out looking for it it's the other side of the coin of course as well
0: yeah yeah and that goes everywhere we find that everywhere on this sort of thing yes so uh should we move on to the second one
2: Yes, the second one again, I was still running the pub and one of my customers used to ask me to give them a lift home. And this time it's going from Lai on the A470. We're on the dual carriageway now. And we're going from Lai, sort of going north, but only going a couple of miles along this dual carriageway. Again, it's about half past 11 at night. I'm obviously stone-cold sober because I'm driving. He'd had a couple of pints, and we're driving along this road, and then on the right-hand side, there's a turning that comes down from uh, the golf club, right, through some woods, down onto the dual carriageway, and we just got to this turning, right? We're doing about 55, and this cat runs across the road in front of us. Again, within the headlights... You could see it quite clearly. We both saw it, and I went, oh, it's the cat again. And he went, yes, he said that was a cat. This time, we saw it quite clearly, and I saw the tail quite clearly. And it was very distinctive. It was about the length of the body, but the end of the tail was flat, cut off at the end, dead flat, whereas you see a a dog tail, it's got a point on the end. Right, or if it's a Labrador retriever, they've got feathers on. Um, But this was definitely a round cattail, the length of the animal.
0: So you saw it pretty much side on, did you?
2: Yes, dead in front of us in the middle of the headlights. So it wasn't a long way away. And it suddenly, I think it was coming across the road anyway. And I think us with headlights has suddenly appeared. And the cat thought, well, I might as well keep going. And he ran across the road. Through the fence on the left-hand side, and that leads down to the river where there's sheep and fish, obviously, down there. Same size again. Yeah. You know, decent size animal, good two foot at the shoulder, chunky, very fast, fluid moving. When he, as he was running, he nearly floated across. You know, lovely movement. As I say, with this great big tail, both of us definitely saw it.
0: Could it have been the same one, do you think, or did it seem a little bit bigger or smaller or difficult to say?
2: I couldn't. I wouldn't like to say whether it was the same one or not because it, and it was only about 18 months afterwards, so it quite feasibly could have done.
0: How many miles away from the first sighting was this?
2: <sighs> I'm just trying to work it out, about six or seven miles, perhaps less as the croak flies. Not a huge long whale. You know, it could be within his prowling area.
0: Sure. Interesting. And again, your, your passenger confirmed it and saw it as you did.
2: Yes, and confirmed it in the pub the following weekend when I was telling people. And he said, yes, we definitely saw it.
0: What kind of reaction emotionally did you have at the time for, to both of them?
2: Oh, absolutely thrilled to have seen it twice because then I knew that I wasn't seeing things or making it up. You know, really thrilled to see it twice.
0: Did most people that you would tell together in the pub or one after the other or, and word got back to you, did, did you think that most people believed you because there were two of you each time or do, did some people just think it's too much of a culture shock to, to go with? Did, what kind of reactions did you get?
2: People who know me believe me because they know that I'm sensible and I would know what I saw, right? Some people are more sceptical. The interesting thing was I was then told afterwards that people had seen pug marks up in the mud around the golf course, which was quite interesting.
0: Yeah, no sightings, though?
2: No sightings, no.
0: So deer and rabbits are around there?
2: Yes, deer, rabbit, hare, sheep. I've never heard of any horses being attacked. But that area where I saw him, there weren't many horses around.
0: Well, luckily, that does seem to be rare horse attacks, even small ones and and folds. A full adult horse, they haven't quite got the power to, uh, and the jaw power to clamp the windpipe to dispatch them. A very, very big Tom uh, might do, especially Tom mountain lions in America. They get the knack of it, a few of them. But it's, you know, they tend to stick to what they know and what they know they can safely dispatch rather than something that's a bit big and risky.
2: Yes, and also a horse fights back much more than a deer or a sheep or anything would, or rabbits or hares would.
0: And a horse is very alert and can often sense the things coming, yeah, and yes. give them a bumpy ride.
2: Yes, yes, and they'll be off. They've got the land to run away from it, and they can go pretty fast when they want to.
0: Did the fact that each time there was a somebody else with you, so there were two witnesses, do you think that? made the reports to people more influential that they thought well hang on there's two people both both astonished yes so that made the reports more influential to people presumably
2: yes well it made them think well it wasn't a cat or it wasn't a dog you know what you're describing must be what you're describing because the other person's saying the same thing
0: what did you gauge people's attitudes were emotionally it was a range of attitudes
2: Mostly fascinated. Most of the farmers sort of take it with a pinch of salt. You know, well, yes, it might be out there, but we haven't seen any signs of it, so we're not worried about it. Okay. Most of the people who go out walking on their own and things, well, it's not seen in daylight, so we're quite safe in daylight. Yeah. Sort of thing. And slightly sceptical. There's quite a number of people who are quite sceptical about the whole thing.
0: What about the trend in media reports more recently? Do you think that's influential or do you think it's, it's still it's easy to write off media reports if you haven't heard from the person direct so you don't know them so you don't know how credible they are?
2: Yes, I, I do think that you tend to write off media reports because it's not you that's there and you always think, well, perhaps someone did see a big cat a puss cat and they saw it from the wrong perspective and so it's very difficult to see whether it's believable or not isn't it
0: what about your role as a town councillor and a business owner i mean you must be very involved in the identity and the branding and the marketing of the town and the region and need the, uh, need people to come and enjoy themselves there do, do you see the presence of big cats affecting that in any way positively negatively or you know a bit of both or it's difficult to tell what's your view on all of that
2: yes prior to this you see I mean I wouldn't be telling visitors about it because I wouldn't like to upset them yeah so it's more like it's something I would discuss with local residents or people I knew really well
0: yeah having said that do you think there's some an element of visitors now especially now there's interest in rewilding whatever you want to define that as you yes. know, making the the land a bit feel a bit more naturally wild and having you know the sense of wild creatures back do you think some people have got a bit of a taste for it and it might make the area feel more of an adventure to come to for some people
2: i think it might well do which is one of the reasons why i've not been broadcasting it to people i don't know very well
0: because you don't know their motives if they did come
2: That's right, yes.
0: It's a dilemma, isn't it?
2: But also because this was such a long time ago and there's never been any carcasses found. There's never been any cubs found. There's never been anywhere where they might be living found, you know, with bedding and hair and scat and everything else. I'm a bit of a scientist. I want evidence. Although I can say I saw it and I'm convinced it was a cat, you know, I'd quite like someone to bring me a dead body and prove it.
0: And I suppose also you could say, well, they were clearly there, it or they were clearly there then. If you're not getting any trend of reports through your grapevine now, maybe they're, you know, they're not there now. Yes. But then, of course, the chance of having a sighting is rare, as we know. You know, there aren't many of these things. They're very elusive. You must recognise that you were extremely fortunate to have one sighting, let alone two.
2: Well, Yes. The first one you're not quite sure whether it's a nice story to tell, isn't it? It's a good dinner story, but it's when you've seen it twice you think actually there's something going on here.
0: It's interesting that you haven't had you know more, especially running a pub and being involved in conversations, you know, routinely in pubs. It's surprising, I think, that you didn't hear more direct, credible witness reports.
2: Yes, well I was surprised. Quite surprised that the local foot hunt denied any knowledge of seeing anything because they are out in the woods, obviously, or they were when they were allowed to hunt, obviously.
0: Yeah, I mean, some hunts do claim to have flushed them out in their activities and others haven't. I think it can go that way, you know, it just, you know, if there aren't many of them, they might not be around in the location when the hunt's doing its activity.
2: Yes. Or even if they did, whether they'd admit to it.
0: There is that. I'm sure there's that. Yes. That doesn't just go for hunts. That goes for other kinds of businesses or people doing activities and hobbies and actions in the countryside. Yes. You know, it's it's easier to keep quiet about these things, isn't it? Rather than get involved in discussions and discussion about implications. Yes. Do you feel there's anything that that could happen that would? Influence you and, and um, fellow members of the community to be intolerant. If one was overdoing sheep killing, what would have to happen to, for one to be have a sort of menacing tag that would concern you? Do you think
2: losing an odd sheep is accepted? It's like when you're in the lambing season, the lambs as they're being born will sometimes be taken by badgers or foxes, um, and that's a loss that you accept. Losing full-grown sheep, well, you do lose the occasional one because something happens to them. I think if it actually made a difference to your production of sheep, then something would have to be done about it. But one wild cat going around killing an odd sheep, but mainly living off deer and animals like that in the forestry, A, they're not going to be seeing what they're killing, and it's not going to affect anyone's business.
0: And if it's not killing dogs or threatening people, then it's also perhaps not not much of an issue.
2: Yes, once the, it, people are frightened by it or it takes someone's pet. Yeah. Then it's a different kettle of fish, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah, but you you're not picking up any vibes about that.
2: No, none at all.
0: Yeah, also Joe, do you feel that you say Something would have to be done if the sheep killing became over a certain threshold. The something that would have to be done could, of course, be compensation payments, couldn't it? Rather than getting angry about an animal, a predator that is very difficult to catch up with, you may as well think, well, let's just um, somehow get compensation back to the people whose livelihood is affected.
2: Yes, that's how you're getting the farmers to admit that their sheep was killed by a wild cat which is something they would have to get their head around, obviously, Yeah. um, and be proving it.
0: Well, that's a detail that I think could be ironed out. Uh, And also making sure people, if there was a system, people didn't cheat the system and just present any old thing. Certainly, I heard of a case in Snowdonia last uh, winter, back end of 2020, where somebody had lost about 10 older uh, lambs, he called them. Yes. That had crossed the threshold. He wanted some compensation.
2: Yes, that's too many, you see. That's affecting his income then quite a lot.
0: And he didn't have a big flock anyway. So uh, he was a tenant farmer. So yeah, exactly. It, it is about proportion, isn't
2: it? All the farmers around here have got small farms. You know, they're hill farmers. They're not big farms. You know, 50, 100, 200 acres. They're not huge farms. Yes, every loss makes a difference, you see, when you're only a small farm.
0: It's interesting that you say that um, a lot of the farmers that you know and know of are not picking up, that it's affecting them. If if they are losing any sheep from a cat, they're not really aware of it, so it must be low numbers if if a cat is uh, taking any sheep.
2: Yes, and it's also if they find the carcass... If the cat hasn't hidden the carcass, for instance, yes, the farmers go around every day checking their sheep, but they're not looking for a dead sheep that's been hidden in a copse of trees where the sheep wouldn't normally be.
0: Yeah understand in fact some of the people who have been on this podcast who are going to come on the podcast do find things like that take photographs and think i wonder if the farmer has seen this because i reckon it's a big cat impact the farmer may not have even seen it um, and of course sometimes yes. they're in an area they don't know who the farmer is or the tenant is to speak to or go and find to report it anyway but because they've got it on the radar that they're looking for big cat impacts They've discovered yes. something. But again, if it's not routine and it's not there's not too much of a momentum and the cat's more inclined to go for natural game like deer and rabbits, then that's saying something, isn't it? You are in an area that has deer, because that may lessen the sheep impacts from a big cat. Whereas there's parts of the region that haven't got deer, aren't there?
2: Yes. And we have large numbers of deer here. They're a bit of a nuisance.
0: What about wild goats? So you've got wild goats in the area?
2: Not this far south, no. The goats are a bit further north.
0: Yeah, because I bet they'd like those as well.
2: Yes.
0: (laughs) Just personally, Joe. obviously you've seen one twice. How do you personally feel about it?
2: Yes, I mean, I think it's great that we've got interesting wild animals around. And the more wild animals we have, the better, providing that we can still have livestock farmers and visitors who are safe at the same time it's like in Scotland they want to bring back wolves don't they uh,
0: some people in some places or in some of those places within huge big fenced estates of course
2: yes but it's bringing back natural wildlife which is great idea so long as it is safe so I don't have a problem with the wildcats being here at all the worrying thing is one day something is going to go wrong, and that's when we have a problem.
0: And I guess it's then getting it into proportion, isn't it, I suppose?
2: Yes. And any animal will become vicious if they have young. Well, any animal at all will become vicious, even if it's a little robin in a, on a nest in a hedgerow with babies. You know, they get upset if you go near them. It would be worrying... Yes, for people, visitors or people out walking in the forestry to come across a wild cat with some cubs because the mother would attack. And that's when you have a problem.
0: We have had people who've seen them, alleged such sightings who haven't been. Uh, in fact, some people have said they, they felt that they were being guided away, ushered away. I think it depends how close you get to the young and, and you know what the exact circumstances yeah. are. Um, So I would say I don't think they're automatically, proactively aggressive and threatening. It depends very much on the detail of the situation.
2: Well, that's right. And whether you're between the mother and the cubs and whether she thinks you're going to hurt them or not.
0: Yeah. Your sightings, the ones that you'd seen, did you feel it was fully wild and a grown up in the locality and looked a healthy, natural wild cat?
2: It was definitely not an old cat. It was a youngish, healthy, very healthy cat. Very well-muscled, you know, nice-looking animal.
0: All the signs that it had grown up there and knew its place there.
2: It seemed to, yes. It wasn't sort of just wandering around looking a bit lost, you know. It definitely was on a mission. I am going this way, then that's where I'm going, especially the second one. When it ran across the road,
0: Not a couch potato let out of a zoo or let out of a collection recently?
2: No, no, no. They, they're different, aren't they? they are Because they're not used to hunting and used to having food given to them and they move differently and they're not as well muscled because they don't get the exercise of a wild animal.
0: Now, there's a couple of North Wales MPs one Conservative, one Labour, who are very interested in the topic because they're getting reports in their constituencies. If you had to say any sort of thoughts to them, for them to hear, what would you say?
2: Oh, I'd say to them definitely, you know, keep an open mind on it. There's obviously something being seen because of the numbers of people that are seeing them. But again, we need some good proof. And Sometimes even photographs aren't proof. You actually need something physical or some DNA or something like that to prove that is what you're seeing. Yes, I think that just the numbers aren't too big. It's not causing a problem. They're finding a food source and they seem quite happy. They keep out of the way of humans as much as they can. Um, And they're not causing a problem. It's only when they start causing a problem that humans start reacting and doing something about it
0: and we've got to make sure whatever we do would be wise even then because we could do something which would uh, exacerbate a problem perhaps if we didn't act um, yes in the right way Well, Joe, I'm very grateful to you to uh, agonise on this with me. I mean, that's what the podcast is for. I think people realise, you know, that we're not so trying to say there's some kind of definite approach to this that we must all agree on. It is just it's worth talking it through, isn't it? Because it is a such a challenging, slippery topic. Uh, Anything else you want to touch on quickly? Have you covered everything you wanted to? Is anything finally you'd like to say on the subject, Joe?
2: I've never heard anyone talking about anything but a black cat round this area.
0: That's interesting to to know that, actually. Yeah, certainly uh, last winter there was a sighting, very credible sighting, a guy halfway up Snowdon on a morning walk to get there for sunrise, actually, and he um, was on one of the ridges, one of the side ridges, and he encountered... He saw the ice shine and he was... Really astonished by the extent and intensity and scale of it, and then he got a better viewing of it through his head torch, and he could see that it was a large cat, raced back to the car, gave Mm. up his walk, gave up the prospect of seeing the sunrise (laughs) on on the on the summit, (laughs) and looked it up on his laptop in the car and just concluded that was the Cougar Mountain Lion Puma one, that the Sandy Brown one. So that was, you know, halfway up Snowden.
2: Right. Very interesting, yes. Yes, again, lots of sheep, rabbits, hares around up there.
0: Final point to you, Joe. would you like to see another one, another big cat?
2: Oh, yes, I'd love to, yes. It doesn't frighten me because I'm not prey to them, so that doesn't bother me. If I was out riding my horse and I got my terriers with me, I'd be more worried that he'd take one of the little dogs than anything else. But I wouldn't worry about one attacking me unless I'd put him in a position where he had no choice or she had no choice. Animals don't attack for the sake of it.
0: Say you lost one of your terriers to a, a big cat. How would, would that make you feel more negative towards it?
2: No, I don't feel negative at- towards it at all. I'm quite happy that they're around. It's just another predator out there in the countryside, isn't it? It's just bigger than most of them.
0: Finally, tell us about the local area.
2: Well, Dolgethlai is the most beautiful little town, which has been here since the 12th century. But we have here, within five miles of the town centre, you've got mountains, moorlands, sea, woodland, everything valleys, rivers. You name it, we've got it, and it's all within a five-mile radius. You've got a choice of anything. Dog Fli's attraction is the fact we have so many walks around this area of different distances, abilities, and views and everything else. But it is the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful parts of the UK.
0: Yeah. We'll put a link to the town and the, the great outdoors aspects of it on the website under this episode. That would be great, yes. Thank you ever so much, Joe. I'm sure listeners have been um, very appreciative of your input. And, well, if you get to hear about another one or see it yourself, do let us know and we'll hope to hear all about it. But for now, thank you very much for coming on Big Cat Conversations. Right. Thank you for the invite. OK, quickly to our word of the week, which is errory spelt E-R-Y-R-I and it is the Welsh name for Snowdonia, which we've just been hearing about, especially across the southern fringes from Joe. The word Snowdon comes from the Saxon snow dune, meaning Snow-Hill. The word Erry has long been thought to refer to the Welsh name for eagle, but it's now believed to originate from the Latin orrary, meaning to rise, and so another meaning for Erry could be highlands, which would be very apt for this mountainous region. Whatever the original meaning of Errory, it is becoming more prominent as the lead name for Snowdon and Snowdonia, and that's important, of course, from the perspective of the local Welsh culture. We plan to return to North Wales and other parts of Wales in future podcast editions, and if you have any pointers for us in Wales or anywhere else, please get in touch. You can email me at rick at com. Meanwhile, coming up in the next episode, we'll be back in Gloucestershire and one of the sightings we'll hear about is an unusually close-up one in a town centre situation early in the morning. So Gloucestershire and the Cotswolds is next time. Okay, thanks again to our guests Mark and Joe for their help and input and, as ever, thank you everyone for listening in. Righto, we're signing off, so take care and bye for now.